Hello, everyone, and welcome to Log Rocket. Today, I'm here with Mike Revort, who is the head of product developer, plat developer platform experience at Slack. Did I get that right, Mike? <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> that's that's all I can ask for. Well, really excited to have you on the show today. Um, I you know I think everyone knows Slack. I we use Slack. Probably everyone feel like everyone does nowadays. So maybe there are some people that, that use other things. But um, you're really excited to kind of learn about what's going on, you know, behind the scenes in terms of um, you know developer platform and um, you know making Slack a, a place for developers to build on top of. So. Maybe you could start by giving us a quick background of like, what does your team do at Slack? And um, yeah, we can go from there. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I joined Slack about uh, three and a half years ago through acquisition. So they acquired a company I created called Missions, which is a messaging-based workflow system. Um, we had built on top of Slack. We actually, it was like the second major product we built on Slack. Um, first, we built the bot hosting platform, um, and then we pivoted that to this workflow system um, that was for not developers, but for people, like really anybody building lightweight workflows on top of Slack. Um, but so I joined Slack um, through acquisition and then went on to build uh, Workflow Builder, which was the like lightweight workflow capability inside of Slack. And it has sort of gone through different roles of like measuring or, or managing engineering teams at Slack. I took a detour into an IC role for about a year and a half as a platform architect to help sort of envision the sort of the next wave of platform at Slack and now have shifted into a, a product role. But the platform, when we say platform at Slack, we mean the API platform that developers can build on top of to connect with our customers. And the majority of development that happens on top of Slack is by our customers, um, but we have a you know pretty rich uh, ecosystem of partner, like third-party developers that build on Slack as well. Got it. So what I'd be curious to start with is like understanding the kind of full landscape of ways that a developer can build on Slack. Um, I've done like a little bit myself in various times in terms of like um, using webhooks to send messages into Slack, um, building some really simple uh, Slack interfaces that, you know, let someone do a slash command and then interact with it with buttons and some of those type of things. But I feel like I don't really have a sense for the full gamut of like what are the all the ways that one could build on top of Slack. So maybe you could take us through some of those. We could talk about some use cases to kind of give folks a better idea of like what can they build using Slack as the interface layer. Yeah, we've added a lot of we've added a lot of things over the over the years. Um, in addition to just being able to send messages and act as a bot in Slack, so you can. Define custom interfaces that either you can raise an in a modal, like a custom modal interface that can be interactive. Um, there's like an app home type interface with your app that you can go to and have like a custom interface that uses this toolkit called BlockKit, which is a like a JSON um, language for describing like device agnostic UI. So like our our mobile applications, you know, render that in a native mobile way versus our web app, um, but you don't have to to deal with that. Um, but you know, a lot of the use cases are still uh, around data that comes into Slack. So you have channels that you set up, and they're they're for purposes. So they're like a team, or for alerts, or for projects, or or whatever. Um, and the magic of Slack usually comes together when you bring together the certain people for a certain purpose in a channel together um, with the tools and information they use. Um, and so, if you have a team that's working on a particular account that they're working on a sale or renewal on, and and you could get that group of people on that focused 
uh, area updated when certain key things change, then pushing that information into Slack, into that specific channel is a, a really valuable use case. Um, being able to act on that is also really valuable. Um, so if you could take action on something in Slack, uh, as that occurs, uh, that either gets pushed back into like that system that generated it. Um, and so a lot, or, you know, there's a lot of use cases around like information coming into Slack, being able to act on it, as well as enriching the information that people share, um, when they're using Slack. So if I send you a link to a document, uh, we unfurl that document. And as a developer, you can provide a custom unfurl that gives you a, a preview of what's inside the document um, and with actions too. So there could be buttons and information that you could take to, to like act on that information. And I guess like looking to the future, like what are some, what are, to the extent you can share, like what are some other ways that Slack envisions letting developers build interfaces on the platform? Yeah, I think, um, you know, to date, we've just continued to add more and more features to the platform to allow you to do more. Um, to build more robust apps on Slack. And um, I think the challenge has been that those apps have been largely self-contained. So if you build an app, uh, let's say for LogRocket for Slack, and you would install that into Slack, um, that app can do a bunch of different things. It has this like app home, it has a way to send messages, but what we haven't done really well to date is add um, this like structure and repeatability around how a user configures that app to do the things you want it to do. And that's been left up to developers today. So you install the LogRocket app and the best thing you could do today is, is like send the user a message that installed it in a DM that's like, hey, um, Kate, thanks for uh, you know installing uh, this app. Uh, this is what you need to do next. Like you could run a slash command and you could uh, go to a channel and set it up this way. And so there, it was, it's really up to the developer to be able to coach a user into how to set their app up in any of these contexts. And we haven't established, uh, you know, sort of well-worn patterns or conventions for developers to build to where users really understand what is an app in Slack? How do I use it? How do I set it up? And, and if I use one, if I find one and I find it useful and I am and I'm successful with it, I should then know like, oh, I know how this works now. And I could set these others up. And so that's one thing that, that we're really working on is, uh, is one, making it just more conventional for users to be able to work with these integrations that people cr create. Um, so more discoverability in the product, more ways for users to interact with them in, in more meaningful ways. Um, the second is that every one of those apps that people would build, even the really robust ones, they're really islands. Like th they, they operate independently. They, they don't really work with each other and they tend to work um, in a single way. So it's however you as a developer created them to work is how they work. And there are a lot of products out there that are uh, very complicated in terms of the ways you can configure them. Like Jira is a really good example of like you can in Jira create different issue types, those issue types can have different fields then, and like you could really customize um, Jira. Uh, that's, so your Jira instance is much different than mine. And so if you build a developer experience for that, you either have to account for all those differences for how someone could set your product up. Um, or what we'd like to do now moving forward is make it so that instead of you having to build the end-to-end -end experience for how people experience your product inside of Slack, that you can build more modular components um, that can be remixed with components that come from other apps um, inside of Slack. Like for example, as a inside of our like workflow builder product that you could start combining capabilities from apps and set apps up 
to work the way you want them in the combination of the way like data flows between tools and you use them. Got it. Yeah, no, super interesting. And so I'm curious um, to look a bit more kind of at your role at Slack. Um, you're curious, like, what does your day to day look like? What are, you know, how do you kind of figure out your priorities? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the biggest thing for me has been that, um, or the biggest challenge has just been to economize my attention. And so regardless of the role I've been in, I think that's always been just a challenge. There's so many things demanding your time and attention. There's like people putting stuff on your calendars. There's Slack messages. There's emails from outside. There's just, there's so much. And I think that the hardest thing is just to decide like, what's the most important thing I could do today? Um, like what would be the best investment of my time? And so my days aren't really prescriptive as much as they are, um, you know, planned around that. Like if there's one thing I could do or two things I could do today, what do I focus on? And all the other things um, for better or for worse tend to, um, you know, kind of fall by the wayside and they may be a priority tomorrow. Um, and so that's anything from, uh, you, you know, especially in a role and a product role now is like, does, does, it, does the team, does my team and our engineering teams know what they're building and why? Is it moving? Like, are people continuing to, to move? And if not, that's like a really big priority. Is it looking, you know, further ahead? And there's, you know, obviously tons of meetings, lots of like one-on-ones connecting with people, uh, there's strategy, long-term meetings, there's customer meetings, there's partner meetings. Um, but day-to-day, it really is just looking at like, what is the highest impact thing I could do today? And really trying to, to focus on that and realize I just can't do everything. And what is your overall philosophy on like what a developer platform experience team should do? Like, I'm curious specifically at Slack and then for other companies thinking about how to maybe start up such a team, like what should the kind of the, the mission of that team be at the organization? Who should, what other parts of the organization should they interact with? How should it report in the organization? Curious on all of those things. Yeah, I think it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish by providing this like developer platform. So a set of APIs for someone to integrate with your product. Um, in some cases, those APIs are just to automate the product. So you need a product and people need to use it and get value out of it. And then you create APIs so that they could automate what you can do in that product. Um, there, are other, uh, there are other platforms that allow you to create experiences inside of your product. So that your like your product is a shell or a canvas for the the things that they can create or they can customize on top of it, and I think that's very different. Um, and so it depends on on what you're trying to accomplish. Like at Slack, the, the we're somewhere in the middle of that where you could automate the aspects of Slack. There's APIs to call to be able to send messages, create channels, invite people to those channels, and like Terraform Slack, like automate it as well as send messages from. Um, outside, but there's also opportunities to create experiences inside of Slack. And in that way, um, the platform is really part of the product. Um, it's both, uh, you know, the way that you use the platform as an extension of the product through APIs, but it also allows you to create experiences on top of, on top of Slack. Um, and so we're part of the product engineering organization. Um, but I think it really depends on, on what you're trying to accomplish as part of the platform in terms of where you'd put uh, you know, platform in an organization. Got it. Um, how do you think about team building in terms of the you know, type of folks you add to the team and specifically for engineers? Like, are you looking for kind of the same 
prototype or archetype prototype of what a typical Slack engineer would be? Or do you look for a different skill set when you're adding engineers to the team? Yeah, I, um, you know, we, we value diversity, um, immensely at Slack, um, which is not just diversity of, of like background or, or gender or, um, what you'd come to think of, but just diversity of, of thought and experience as well. Uh, and we find that, you know, the most diverse teams are the most, uh, resilient and successful teams typically. So, um, we, we have a, uh, in, we have a career ladder, you know, with levels, uh, and then our highest levels, we have a breakdown of archetypes, um, for we, how we describe like what type of engineer, what type of contributor are you? Because we know that they're different. There are people that, for example, are really good starters. They're just like really good people to just initiate, you know, new things happening, new ideas and, and driving and getting those things going. There are other people that are just like really good generalists, people that um, if you add them to a project, it's going to just make the whole thing better. There are other people that are like really, really, really good, like expert industry leading level at their craft at a very specific thing. And that's all they want to do. And so I think, you know, one, we look at, you know, we're trying to fill a role on a team. And so I think you need to consider what that team needs. A team is a group of humans that work together that should be focused on a common goal. And I think that, you know, the most important thing is that you have this group of people assembled to be able to accomplish that goal. And so anytime you're looking to fill a role on a team, it's a new opportunity to be able to, um, you know, add to the, the abilities of that team. And I think that, you know, sometimes you get teams that are overloaded in one way or the other, where you have a whole bunch of experts or people that are good or tend to um, do certain things well. And I think, you know, looking at it as an opportunity to, to, to balance that and offset that, um, is at least in my mind, opportunistically, you know, the best way to approach it. And looking at teams and kind of uh, teams and process and collaboration, obviously Slack is one of the the core tools used in the modern distributed team. Um, obviously there are competitors as well, but Slack is certainly one of the thought leaders. So I'm curious, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you use Slack and Slack, but curious what other tools you use in terms of collaboration and workflow on the team and maybe, you know, maybe how those play nicely with Slack as well. Yeah, I think, you know, we know Slack isn't the end all. And, and we think if we tried to make it the end all, we would ruin the product. Um, we just need Slack to be really good at, at what it's good at. And we need, and part of the, the value of the platform is to pull together the other tools that you use. Um, so, you know, we use a variety of documents formats or some things that are in like Google Docs and Dropbox Paper, and now like Quip and some other things. We obviously use all the, the common development tools. Um, you know, we use Zoom, obviously. We use, um, uh, we have other, we have some newer features of Slack that have been like profoundly impactful, uh, at least to me individually, which is uh, this, I tend to record and share a lot of videos, especially working remotely. Um, some people have used, you know, Loom a lot for that or like other products have been playing with like Dropbox Capture, which is beta now and some others, um, or just for, recording videos on your own and, and sharing them. Um, Slack has a built-in way now to make it easier to record those videos and share them as clips, but you can also record them and just share them. It doesn't really matter. Um, and so in, in a lot of ways, it's replaced. Um, we've replaced a lot of meetings through these like async clips um, instead, like status type meetings that are at, like higher fidelity of explanation versus just text. Um, we also have a feature called huddles, which is like uh, you could, you know, jump into an audio channel for any channel, which has been like a great way for teams. But like outside of that, you know, we use all the other common tools that, that people use, especially from a development perspective, um, you know, IDEs and GitHub and, and others. But, um, you know, the um, 
it's harder at a larger organization because you know to be really effective a lot of times you need people using the same tools and so it's it's a bit harder sometimes to experiment with with new tools that aren't just like there's some tools that help you individually be more productive that you don't require other people to use and there are certainly other tools that you require everybody to be able to use for them to be effective so before um you know before you joined slack and you mentioned you you founded a startup which i'm curious to learn more about in a few minutes but what i'm what i'm interested in is going from the small startup environment into the you know large organization like slack can you talk about the different classes of problems that engineers have to solve in each and um, yeah, what maybe anything specific to Slack as well in terms of problems you face there that other companies don't have to deal with based on scale or there's the product space? Yeah, I think that's a good, it's a good question. Um, it's different. It was, it's definitely different coming from a small team and joining a really large team um, in a number of ways. Like one, there are these predetermined roles in terms of what you expect an engineer to do or what you expect a product manager to do and what you expect a designer to do or whatever parts of the organization like product marketing manager. Um, those are well established in, in a large company, whereas in a startup, um, they're established, but people tend to wear a lot of hats and and contribute like across lines. And I think that's one thing. Um, when it comes to being an engineer inside of a like a large tech company, um, I think there are a lot of differences too. Um, one, these types of companies like Slack, like Facebook, like Netflix, and others tend to build a lot of tools, um, and those tools solve a lot of complicated problems around automation and deployment um, and scalability and that um, and and those tools are amazing because it allows any engineer to come in and build for that scale. Um, however, once those problems are solved by those tools, they're solved. And I found a lot of times in talking to people where they're like, oh, you, it's like you must deal with like really, you know, hairy, big scalability problems or, you know, you worked at Google. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, you must be like the most amazing engineer because you built for scale. And, and the reality is that's like, it's, it's true in the extreme case. I mean, it's true because you have to understand certain attributes of, of, of being able to, uh, to, to operate for scale around how like data is organized or, um, or like certain aspects, depending on really depending on the tooling that's created or the frameworks on top of that. But most of those engineers don't have to solve those problems because they're already solved. There, it's a lot of it is like sort of color by numbers in a lot of these cases. And sometimes it becomes really detrimental because you tend to look at the ways you would solve certain problems because it's a lot easier to build on top of existing tooling and frameworks and infrastructure that you have at your disposal that have already solved those complex problems versus going off and doing it differently because going off and doing it differently means that you have to you have to bear all that yourself like for example um when we joined slack uh we had to make the decision of whether or not to do we continue our current code path code path for the missions product or do we like rebuild inside of slack and so um we kind of went both ways we rebuilt the front end and we took some of the back end and we decided to continue it forward and so we deployed um our like missions service our back end which was a go service um, to Slack and it was on top of Kubernetes and like Slack was just starting to uh, sort of operationalize Kubernetes at scale. But there's all this like crazy network infrastructure that happens. Um, there's this project called Nebula, which is like, a, a, um, I don't get it. It's like this whole, all these networking layers. Um, and we had, our team had to bear all this complexity of, of working with teams at Slack, but trying to like, to, to make that work with all the existing tooling, to be able to operationalize it and run it. And, and the part of like being able to continue to program and go was like a small part of that. 
And the part that really uh, was difficult for us is just all the time of, of making that work into the Slack infrastructure versus if we were to say we were going to build it in, in Hack, which is what Slack is like. And Hack is like an evolution of PHP that came out of uh, Facebook. Slack happened to be built on top of, of PHP and is now like Hack, which is a type version of that. But there's like an immense amount of tooling at Slack to support development on top of Hack. And all these problems are already sal- uh, solved around just like how you shard and manage data, how you, how you sort of tap into the real-time nature of Slack. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's very different uh, with, when you join a large organization because it's a lot harder to do things new and novel without significant investment because those things don't necessarily work with the tooling infrastructure that exists. So curious to learn a bit more about Mission. Um, you know, that was your startup that was acquired by Slack. A bit more specifically, like what was your goal there? What was your mission there, so to speak? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't help myself. Um, and, you know, what was the product and ultimately why did it make sense to join Slack? Yeah, so we had, um, before that, uh, we started building this product called Beepboot, which was a bot hosting platform. And when we decided to build that, um, I had come from a few other projects, uh, people I was working on, and we we did integration into messaging platforms as part of these projects, not like as a primary thing. So uh, we were building this big ed tech product, this one-to-one delivery program with the partnership with the University of Texas. And like when we built out all the infrastructure for that and the continuous deployment um, infrastructure, we, we did a really heavy integration with Slack. Like Slack was the way we deployed software. It was the way we got updated. It was actually the way that we notified the, our like customer we were working with when we did deploys, and there was a lot of visibility and operationalization on top of on Slack. On Slack. Previously, did that at you know on top with HipChat before, um, and just saw how you know tying these tools and processes into a messaging platform as a really lightweight interface uh, was you know this this like this sort of magic thing that was hard to replicate if you tried to build from scratch. Like when you build on the messaging platform, you already have like authentication, authorization, you already have basically like a little bit of a UI framework, you have the contextualization of channels, like you have a lot of building blocks that you could tie into. And so so we were looking at opportunities to integrate in the messaging platforms and we thought it was really interesting to build tools on t- for like on top of messaging platforms. Um, and so we, we built out this like CICD mechanism to take a lot of sort of bot shots on net is what we called it at the time. And then as we got three weeks into that, we were like, hmm, you know, everybody's going to have to do this. And at that time, building bots involved connecting to WebSockets and scaling like a high density of WebSockets if you wanted to do that. And it was actually kind of difficult from an infrastructure perspective. And so we we're like, hey, maybe this is the product. Maybe actually a hosting platform shifted to bots. And it was right around a time where containers were coming to life where people were starting to talk a lot about Docker and containerization. Uh, Kubernetes had just been launched. And we had this idea that, well, maybe a bot's like a container. Maybe it's an agent. Maybe it's like this autonomous thing. And, what, and, and there's a, like an interesting sort of parallel there. And so we set off and we started creating a bot hosting platform. It was like pre, it was right, right along, we kind of rode the hype cycle. Um, it was before Slack launched their platform. It was before Facebook launched their platform and Telegram. So once those um, platforms launched, we supported them. Um, but we were like, we had like huge adoption, but something was just wrong. We were like, you know, I just still don't see the demand for like bots for bots sake, especially not on the consumer side. Um, and, and just integrating with messaging in that way. But we saw this interesting thing people were trying to do on the for work side of it, uh, where they were trying to build these tools that help their teams work together. 
And, um, and so we decided to kind of pull back. We pivoted to focus more on the for work use cases, trying to understand that more. And there were a lot of people coming to use that developer platform that weren't developers. Um, so there were product managers, there were designers, there were uh, really anybody that was like, oh, if I could just make this work with Slack, if I could just get this to happen, that would be amazing. Um, and they all came and um, we did like, I was really proud of our onboarding. Like, we got you onboarded. As long as you signed in to Git, like we did the full setup, like you had a Git repo, it automatically deployed on chains, like all that stuff. And we had this whole conversational walkthrough. So everybody got through the onboarding almost. But then it was kind of like when you ran out into the... Um, it's like, you know, the scene in the movies where you, you're on Mars and, and like people run out into the atmosphere and they're like, they're running and some people like fall down and collapse and die at like 15 feet and like somebody else, you know, perseveres on, but ultimately they die. Like they get far and they all, and so everybody died. And so we weren't very happy with all these people dying using our product. And so we decided like, wait a minute, there's this huge need that's unmet there and people want to be able to build on top of Slack. They don't want to build apps, but they want to just build these lightweight tools and, and that started to feel a lot like workflow. And we were looking at what people were trying to do. And it felt like, and we, we thought about workflow, we thought that like, it seems almost like a good story. It's like things that have like a good beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and so people were trying to accomplish these tasks, which led to the, the name missions. We we're like, you know, we, we're trying to sort of give people like this, these like abilities they didn't have to be able to accomplish these missions and to set off and make them successful. And we wanted them to feel like they accomplished something when they were successful. So we pivoted that uh, and we looked at the, you know, sort of workflow space and we're like, wow, uh, enterprise workflows sure are complicated. Um, certainly they don't need to be, you know, what if we gave everybody these simple lightweight tools to be able to automate just simple things, like not go crazy, um, but be able to do that on top of a meshing platform like Slack. And so we started with Slack. Um, we had a deep partnership with them already in, in how we built this the, on top of their platform with the bot testing platform. And we had very well intended to support other messaging platforms, um, like you know Teams and Atlassian Stride at the time and, and others, uh, maybe even SMS. But we were at this crossroads where we were gonna do that. We were gonna kind of broaden our total adjustable market. And we had to decide, uh, and we were kind of headed off. And the part that we weren't as excited about was it these platforms seem really similar, but they're actually really different. And we have to basically build a least common denominator workflow product on top of a messaging layer. Uh, and we were going really deep on Slack. We had been working with their biz dev team and um, and they kind of knew that we were going to make this decision. And, you know, one thing led to another in a conversation where we started to casually be like, I wonder what would this look like if we brought it into Slack? Like, what would it look like as a part of a product? And the more we talked about it, the more excited we got about like what that could be like. And there are a lot of problems that we had been trying that have been difficult to solve on the outside of Slack um, that we thought that's like, oh, wow, if we built this product inside we built this as a part of Slack that any Slack user could use. Like it, it um, we, we saw the impact that, that it could have. And so we, you know, we kind of took the bait and decided to join Slack. So. And are you happy with the decision? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, it's easy to like speculate to be like, what would have happened if we would have stayed independent? I mean, there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of like workflow kind of companies that have like, um, that have launched or been, you know, been really successful since then. So sometimes I look back and I'm like, well, that we could have done some amazing things. But I also look at what we did um, within Slack, and I'm pretty proud of of the like workflow builder product that we created, um, the usage that that's gotten, and the impact that's had, and now like the influence that that journey has had on the sort of future vision of platform at Slack. So it's been like an amazing place to be. I mean, Slack is a just a 
tremendous organization, like really deep values and, and culture. And just, I've gotten the opportunity to work with just some incredible people. So I, I asked earlier a bit about the future of um, you know, the ability to build interfaces and developer platform on Slack. Um, I'm curious more broadly, like what are you most excited about over the next few years uh, you know, to the extent you can share that's you know, coming out from Slack on the roadmap? You know, we just, we want users and people that use Slack to be more productive and to enjoy how they work. And we want developers to be able to assist them in accomplishing that. And so I think um, giving developers more tools where um, they get more, that they could just get a higher sort of ROI based on what they create. Um, and that the level of effort doesn't have to be so big. So they could, um, you know, create little things that people could use in, in really meaningful ways that they don't have to think of all the possibilities that could be um, remixed. And we just make that just easier for people to just, you know, build things in Slack that users can use that make a lot of sense and that people get value out of. I think like from a Slack perspective, um, you know, we could add a lot more features to the platform. Uh, and I think that that won't really make the difference. It's really just about like, how do we make it easier to build? How do we make it easier for users to, to like use these things in really meaningful ways, like meaningful that feel like they belong in Slack, that they feel like a part of Slack and it's not unnatural that we're trying to build these experiences inside of Slack and keep you inside of Slack instead of keeping you from going to some other product. Whereas I think sometimes the best thing we could do is make it easier for you to get into the other product. Like you share a link to something and there's like early on Slack, it was like trying to, you shouldn't have to context switch and you should, you know, we should keep you in Slack. Um, and you should be able to complete what you're doing without having to switch in this other product. And I think that in a lot of ways I've looked at it is like, you know, we could, if we just made it easier for you to get into that other product. So like there's some features we're working on to allow you to uh, have like implicit, like single sign on links, for example, like how do we just make you to get past sign in um, or, have, or be able to provision accounts on the fly in that other system. Um, and so that's some things on the Slack side. I think like outside of Slack, I think, uh, you know, just web dev in general is just like super exciting um, with uh, like everything that's like happening between all the frameworks and platforms that are, are starting to like, I'm really excited about tools that like abstract away the computer. Um, I think that like, we've done that on like the server side, runtime side, but still like your development experience is still like a bunch of files on a system, even when you're importing files, you're referencing them and you're cobbling them and you have to have like all these tools set up locally. And I think that like VS code spaces and a lot of the moves to these like more turnkey, like package development systems that aren't tied to my local computer are really interesting as well as um, like, I, the, I think the stuff that like um, Dino is doing and Ryan Dahl with trying to like implement web APIs on the server and trying to make code more portable in that way and and treating like the browser as a container the same way you would the server so it doesn't matter where things run is really interesting because like we're still sort of programming in this like linux sort of model of like imposics of of files and file systems and network access and so if you could like abstract that away even for the code that runs in the cloud or the server or wherever it runs or actually still run that in the, in, in the browser, like on client. I think like that stuff is really interesting to me. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been great to learn about you, your background, Slack. Um, so re really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was interesting.
Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. You can find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.